Well, hey, one of my favorite resources for helping kids understand who Jesus is and what he came to do is a book called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Lots of parents here use this book. If you're visiting today, uh, your kid was at VB, kid or kids was at, were at VBS, uh, and you would like one of these, I will give it to you. I have three of them. If, I, if more, more than three of you come up to me, ask me anyway, and I'll ship it to you from Amazon, and you'll have it on Tuesday. So the Jesus Storybook Bible, what's that, Catherine? We have more too. We have hard copies here in the building. And so if you'd like one of these just as a resource to help your kids understand the story of the Bible and that every story is pointing to Jesus as our rescuer, then uh, come up to me afterwards and uh, I have them right here. Uh, and then we'll get you some others uh, if you're forth and on. All right. Well, hey, turn with me to that story about Naaman in 2 Kings 5. That's where we will be this morning. I'm going to pray uh, and then we'll get started. Gracious Father, you are good and your Son is the light of the world. We ask that as we open up your word, which tells us about him, that you would illuminate our hearts and that our hearts would not just have light, but they would have heat, that they would burn with joy and passion for you, that we would find our ultimate delight and happiness in God. We need help to do that. Jesus, be gracious to us this morning. May we hear your voice. In your name we pray. Amen. One of the things I appreciate most about Bob and Lisa is that they can, especially during VBS week, become sort of undignified and unimportant, small. There was one point in the day, I think it was Wednesday, when Bob came into my office and he said, you know, James, I don't know if we hug enough. And I thought that was kind of weird, because I don't remember ever hugging Bob before. And as I, he said, come here, give me a hug. And as he got closer, I realized he was soaking wet. And I was not. I was after I hugged Bob. And I asked him, was that sweat or water? And he said, it was water. I don't believe him, but it was both. So that's one of the qualities I appreciate about, about Bob and Lisa and others during VBS week is, is you can come down and become small. You can become unimportant. That's a struggle for me. Is it a struggle for you? You ever feel like, you know, I have to show how important I am, how great I am, or how much stuff I have, or how much money I have, or how successful I am. We often do that with God, right? We all sense that on some level, when we go to bed at night, we're just not enough. We have something wrong with us. And we often try to show God how important we are, how good we are, how much stuff we have in order to deal with that sense, with that reality that we are sinners, that we aren't perfect. And the story in 2 Kings today is going to show us uh, how one man tried to deal with that and then the right way to deal with that. So 2 Kings 5, here's, here's the story, the story of Naaman. Look at with me and we'll also project it up on the screen. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor. 
because by him the Lord had given him victory to Syria, given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor. So you get the sense that this is a really important dude. He was an important man, he had an important job, and he lived in a very important country, Syria, controlled much of the world back then. He worked for a very important person, the king. He responded, or he was uh, responsible directly to the king. But he was a leper. Not a leopard. He was a leper. Now, leprosy was uh, a variety of different kinds of skin diseases. And if you were to Google leprosy today, you would see some pretty horrific pictures online. It's a little different than that back then. It could have been a variety of kinds of things. But the important thing to know is that back then, people who were lepers were unclean. It was communicable. It was contagious. So you wouldn't spend your time touching or being around or breathing on other people. It was a disease that would take over your body and eventually kill you. So Naaman was a very important man who had a very important job, and yet he was very much an untouchable. He was a leper. Verse 2. Now the Syrians on one of their raids, these aren't good people, they're, they're going on a raid. They're raiders. They're Syrian raiders. That's the football team in Syria, the Syrian raiders. They had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. So this little girl is a prisoner of war. She was taken away. Her, her parents were at least injured, perhaps killed, and she was probably taken violently from her home, and now she's an orphan. And she's living under the man who orchestrated this raid. So think about what you would feel like if that were you. If you had been taken from your family, and now you're living in enemy territory. She said to her mistress, verse 3, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. Is that how you would talk about the person who took you from your home? I wouldn't do that. I would say, I hope the leprosy takes your life, but not her. She says, oh, I wish that he could be healed. If he were in Samaria with the prophet, that man could heal him. Verse 4, so Naaman went in and told his Lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver. In silver, that's about two hundred thousand. That's about two hundred twenty thousand dollars, two hundred twenty grand, in silver. It's a lot. Six thousand shekels of gold. Any idea how much gold that is? Money. In today's dollars, two point eight million dollars of gold. It's about seven hundred and seventy-five pounds of gold. And ten changes of clothing, because he's a leper. You got to change your clothes a lot when you have a skin problem. Naaman was bringing money to pay for his healing. That's why he brought all this money. I mean, so imagine that. So he's a, look at how important he is. He has all this money. This is like, this would be like the Secretary of Defense or Secretary of State or somebody that high up in our government coming, some, going somewhere to get healed. And look at what he does. He brought the letter to the king. Where did the girl tell him to go? 
Samaria, yeah, but, but who? Prophet. Did, did she say go to the king? No. But why would Naaman go to the king? Because the king's an important guy, right? That's where people, if they're going to get healed, that's where they're going to get healed, at the, at the palace with the king. So he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you Naaman, my servant, uh, servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he's seeking a quarrel with me. You're, you're trying to start a fight with me. I can't do this. I, I'm just a king. I don't have that kind of power. And he doesn't. But somebody does. So verse 8. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses, his chariots, and all that money, $220,000 and $2.8 million, and his ten changes of clothing. He went to the door of Elisha's house. And then I love this. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. Like, so the Secretary of Defense shows up at my house, and I send out Bailey. Yeah, I'm watching Downton Abbey. Um, just go out and give him the message. Tell him to wash in the pond in my backyard. He didn't even come out of his house. It was as if Elijah knew he wants something important to happen. I'm, I'm not going to give him the time of day. I'm not going to oblige him. I'm not going to indulge him. And so verse 11, but Naaman was angry and he went away saying, behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord as God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farper, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. So what, what's going on in Naaman's mind is he probably thinks Elisha's referring to some kind of ritual cleansing. And Elijah was talking about, no, you could really be cleansed, really be healed if you just go in the river. And what he wants is some kind of official ceremony, some kind of a big show. I wish he would come out here and call upon the name of the Lord, wave his hand around me, and boom, he'd be healed. He wants like fireworks and lights and smoke and something awesome. And all Elisha says is, oh, servant, dude, just go out and tell him, go wash in the river. And what he's thinking is, that's a stinky river. You want me to wash in the Hudson? Isn't the Mississippi and the Missouri so much better? Those are Midwestern rivers, by the way. It's not about that. It's about being small, coming to the end of yourself. Listen to the servant, Naaman's servant. But his servants came near him and said to him, My father, it's a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Like, how many more fingers do you have to lose, Naaman? Before you go do it, what do you got to lose? Look at you. You're a leper. You got nothing left to lose. It reminds me of people 
maybe, maybe some of you, you take a lot of pills for something, and you think, I don't have time to take all these pills. Yes, you do. You know that you do, because you need them. You won't survive without them, and that's what names. He needs to feel that. He needs to sense that. I won't survive unless the one man who tells me how I can be healed, if I obey him, I got to do it. My life depends on it. That's what his servant's trying to help him say. Has he not actually said to you, wash and be clean? How much more simple can it get, Naaman? Just wash. Verse 14. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Little play on words here. The word little actually means insignificant or unimportant here. It's the same word that's used for the girl back in verse 2. She was an unimportant, insignificant person in the story. She doesn't even get a name. But she knows the truth. And she, though she has been hurt and injured by Naaman, forgives him, loves him, and tells him how he can be clean. And Naaman resists. He resists. And then at the end, he finally gives in. And what happens? He becomes little. He becomes new. He becomes fresh and clean. So I just want to ask us two questions as we think about this. This is a little, even a Bible reading tip for you. Whenever you're reading the scriptures, ask, why is this in the Bible and why am I reading it today? Why is this in the Bible and why am I reading it today? This is showing us our biggest problem and it's showing us the only solution at the same time. So leprosy is pointing to something much deeper than we would think or we'd like to believe. It's going to the inside. Now, people didn't get leprosy just because they did bad things. That's not how it worked. But it was this physical, tangible illustration to show what sin is like, that it would eat away at you, it would eat away at you, it would eat away at you until finally it killed you. Now, leprosy is pretty easy to see, right? I mean, it would be a weird thing for Daniel to come up to me and say, hey, James, you have leprosy. And I said, really? I didn't notice. But sin is another matter, isn't it? We can't see it. And usually, you can't see your own. It's something that you miss, you're blind to. And that's the scary part. Naaman's biggest problem wasn't that he had leprosy. His main problem was that he thought he was so important. His biggest problem was that he thought he could deal with his external circumstances. It was exposing his heart. That's what was going on. That is the danger in the story. He was monetarily rich. He was uh, uh, vocationally rich. He was relationally rich. And yet he was spiritually bankrupt because he thought he had everything. And if you read the Jesus Storybook Bible, there's this wonderful line in there. It says, all Naaman needed was nothing. And that was the one thing Naaman didn't have. All he needed was to say, you know, I have nothing to offer you, Elisha. I will just go into the river and wash. But he didn't do that until the very end. And then after, you could read on in the story, and then he tries to pay Elisha. And Elisha's like, no, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. I don't work for you. 
So sin is not mainly the bad things that we do. We do do bad things. But that's not mainly what it is. Sin is a condition. It's this insistence on our own importance. It's this insistence that I can do what only God could do or I could be God. I can save myself. I have enough money. I have enough success. I wear the best clothes. I always say the right things. I'm funny. People like me. I have a good family. All those things we think were so important. And that's really spiritual leprosy. It eats away. It eats away. It eats away until finally it kills us. So do you feel unclean? I said at the beginning, all of us have this sense that when we lay our head down at night, we lay there, and if we're not tired, we might think a lot. I didn't do this right. I said this wrong. I feel like I, I just, I'm not enough. You know, we try, some of us try so hard to me measure up to God's standards, but the reality is I don't even measure up to my own standards, right? And so whether we're trying to please a spouse or a parent or a friend or God, what we try to do to cover that sense of failure, that guilt, is we offer up all those things that we think matter. This is why I'm so important. This is why I should be clean. God, this is why you should forgive me. Spouse, this is why you should forgive me. Parent, this is why you should receive me and accept me and forgive me. Look at me. I get good grades. I do well in, sc I do well in school. I do well in sports. I'm a good kid. Parents, we do that all the time with each other, with our bosses, with our friends. But we know that doesn't work. So how do we cleanse this spiritual leprosy? How, do we, how, how can we be clean? Remember that girl. Remember the little girl who is insignificant and unimportant, and she's so small, she doesn't even get a name, and she had been hurt deeply. And she says to her enemy, I just wish you knew Elisha. I, I wish you knew this guy. He could heal you. How upside down. How backwards. How crazy. And so I think that this story is in the Bible to show us that God works in a way that you would never expect. He flips the values of the world upside down. You would not think to do that if you were a prisoner of war. But she did. And so she's pointing a line. She's pointing a line forward to Jesus who would come and be rejected, who would become unimportant and insignificant, who would become arrested unjustly, taken prisoner, essentially, and who would die for his enemies and on a cross say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Who would do that? Only God could do that. Only he could do that. And so Jesus flips the values of the world on its head. And he, unlike the girl, he doesn't just say, I know where you can go wash. He says, I can wash you. I can wash you clean. The irony of the gospel is that crimson blood actually works like OxyClean. It makes you white. It takes off all the guilty stains, and not just mainly from the bad things we do, but from our active rebellion against God, trying to be like him, trying to do what only he can do. And Jesus says, all you got to do is wash. 
All you have to do is come to me and I'll make you clean. How hard are you going to scrub? You're not, the scrubbing's not doing any good. But if you trust in me, if you believe in me, you were my enemy and you could be my friend. You were my enemy and now you can be mine and you can be clean. So would you wash today? If you're not a Christian in here, you need to wash. And all you have to do is say, I have nothing. The best thing I got is nothing. And it's nothing. All I have is need. I feel the need. I need you. And if you're a Christian in here, you could be saying, yeah, I got that. I've, I've washed. But you're always being washed in the blood of Jesus. You never move beyond the blood of Jesus. You get clean once, and his blood keeps you clean until the day you meet him face to face. So would you wash? We're going to sing a song, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. It goes like this. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that your blood washes us clean. We thank you that your blood is like, is like OxyClean. It, it takes away all the stains. It makes us whiter and brighter and, and more glorious than we could ever imagine or even see in this life. And we pray that we today would not try to offer you anything of importance, of worldly importance. We have no amount of money we could give to you to be clean. We have no talents, no skills, no abilities. We have no reputation. We have no morality. We have no success that we could offer you and say, this will finally relieve me of my guilt. This will finally get rid of my sin. This will finally relieve my problems. Those things can't do it, but Jesus can. He can wash us clean. Wash us, Lord, in your precious blood. And as we sing here, would we believe these words? Would we feel them? And would we not just leave thinking, what a great service, but what a great Savior who washes his people, who redeems them, who loves them. So like Naaman, would we just go into the river of the blood of Jesus and wash? Would we become insignificant, unimportant, just as you did for us, giving yourself up on the cross, in your name we pray, amen.